Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. God, we pray today, we pray, Lord God, that, that, that you would stay in this house today, God, that your spirit would continue to reign, and Lord, that we would, we would read and we would hear and we would interpret your word, Lord, the way you want it done. And God, that it would energize us, that it would motivate us, and it would prepare us for what you have us to do. God, Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm, I'm going to start by telling on myself this morning, so, so hang with me. Um, I think it was in 2006. I couldn't quite remember. It was either 2005 or 2006, and I was working in the athletic department at Coastal Carolina, and at that time, there happened to be a, a celebrity golf tournament that we were working on for, for football with Coach David Bennett, and um, Coach Bennett had such amazing contacts, he had found celebrities for all 32 teams. Well... I was a fill-in that day because somebody couldn't make it, so somebody had to play golf, so I thought it'd be me, right? And, and so I, I did that. Well, the guy that rode with me, our celebrity, happened to be uh, an ex-professional hockey player. And, and guys, he, he, he looked the part. I mean, he looked the part. I mean, he, he was probably late 50s, early 60s, and it looked like he could still mix it up if he needed to. You know, he, he could. He was pretty hardcore. And, and so that, that morning, we started with a 10 a.m. shotgun. And for those of you who don't know uh, golf that well, that means that's the time that everyone started together on different holes. And so we started at 10 a.m. And he decided that his goal for the day was to take his large bottle of Crown Royal and take a shot after every hole. So on the 14th hole, after 13 shots of liquor, he looks at me and he says, what's that tag on your bag that says FCA? And I, I said, well, that, that stands for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And, you know, he said what he said to me. He said, you know what? I've heard of that. And, guys, that's where it went south. Because in my mind, I said, yeah, I bet you have. Have another shot, big boy. That was exactly my mindset. And you know, God gave me this amazing opening. He gave me this amazing opening. And, and, and I didn't do anything with it. You see, he was getting loud. And he was bringing attention to our cart. And all I wanted to do was kind of get out of there and go home. So I never told him another word about FCA. I never mentioned anything to him spiritually at all because I thought that this guy didn't deserve to know. Can you imagine? I mean, here I am, saved by the grace of Christ only, and I thought for some reason 
I decided this guy didn't, didn't, didn't need to know because he didn't deserve to know. You know, it still bothers me to this day. But the thing I like about it is that it reminds me, and I pray that it reminds me that that will never happen again. Because you got to understand, I was the one that day that didn't deserve to know Jesus Christ. I was the one. And I decided to play God that day. And I missed an incredible opportunity to share Christ all because of my judgmental attitude. So with that, here's the good news. Jesus Christ, our Savior, will never do that. He will never do that. You see, he'll never make that mistake because what he knows is, is that we're all a creation of his Father God, and he loves us all. You see, Jesus sees people for who they can be and not for who they are. And guys, we get to see that today in our verses. We get to see that. Not only do we get to see that, but we get to see the results of what happens as we share. So, so as we continue today in, in our, our series entitled Rooted, today we're looking at spiritual growth through the eyes of evangelism. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, if you would uh, turn those to the book of John, we're going to be in John today, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and we've got several verses, so, so hang with me. Uh, John 4, chapter 4, and we're going verses 31 through 42. I think everybody's scared I might go 23 minutes today, but hang with me. All right. It says this in John 4, 31 through 42. It says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and the another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So the, the hard part today is we've got to go backwards to go forwards. You see, we're kind of getting the story at the end of the story, and we've got to go back and fill in a little bit. And the other thing is, it's a twofold story. So we, we talk about uh, the, the woman at the well, but then we also have to talk about what Jesus is doing with the disciples. So you got to hang with me today, okay? Thank you, Tyler. And so um, when, we, when we look at this, what, what we see in, 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 in the very first part of chapter 4 is this. We see this. We see that the Pharisees are, are noticing that Jesus is gaining and baptizing more disciples than even John the Baptist. So now they're more concerned about Jesus, right? But, but what they didn't know is Jesus wasn't doing the actual baptisms. He, he allowed his disciples uh, to do that. So, so Jesus leaves Judea, and he's going back to Galilee. But the quickest route to Galilee 
would have him going right through Samaria. I think you, you, you'll see a, a map here on the, on the screens pretty soon. And, and with that map, what you see is how you see how Samaria is right in the middle of the two, right? But the problem was is that most Jews would go miles out of their way to avoid uh, Samaria because of the hatred for the Samaritan people. You see, their resentment came to two different ways. And, and the first is this, is that the Samaritans only believed in the first five books of the Bible known as the Pentateuch. And, and those were the books written by Moses. But, but the other thing about, about them that, that made it so tough is in 1721 B.C., the Samaritans took over the northern kingdom of Israel. Well, guys, when that happened, some of the Israelites stayed in the land and they commingled with the Assyrians and they, and they married each other. And this group of people became known as the Samaritans. But to the Jews, they were seen as half-breeds or a mixed race. And, and just like me, the Jews didn't believe that these people deserved to know Jesus Christ. Again, the good news, Jesus never, ever was one who followed the world and its beliefs. So he decides to go straight through Samaria. And, and he stops at a well just out the city, outside of the city of Sychar. It was about noon that day when he arrives. And, and, and there's a woman at the well. And, and Jesus goes to her and he asks her, he says, hey, can I have a drink? Uh, pretty harmless, right? But you see, in this time, in this day, this was huge. This was huge because she was a Samaritan, and you have to remember the two didn't play well. But, but more than that, she was a woman. And, and at this time, most Jewish men would not speak to a woman in public, and some of them would not even look at a woman, but especially this woman. You see, the Bible tells us about this woman. What the Bible tells us is that she had been married five times and that the man she's now living with is not her husband. And so Jesus, of course, knew all of this before he approaches her. And, and the truth is, even she couldn't believe that a Jew was addressing her. So, so, guys, what I want you to see very quickly on a sidebar is this what Jesus was bringing, right? He was bringing something new to the world, something new to the world's beliefs and way of thinking. He was full of love and compassion for all of God's creation. And this was such an incredible thing, especially for women. Because everywhere he traveled, women started being more respected. Because pure love cares for everyone. All right, so Jesus, he draws this lady in by telling her that he has this living water. And he tells her that this water never runs out and that she will never thirst again. And, and she gets excited from a worldly perspective. You see, because this was perfect for her. That's why she was there at noon during the heat of the day getting the water by herself. You see, most ladies went to the well early in the morning. And this was their small window for socializing with each other. But, but you see, because of her out, because of her lifestyle, because of who she was, she was considered an outcast. So for her, never ever having to go back to the well was a pretty cool deal. But you see, Jesus was bringing something so much more. Jesus was bringing something so much more valuable to her than that. He was offering eternity. 
So, so he starts by telling her all about her life. I don't know how many of us would want Jesus to do that in front of anybody, but he does that. And then he tells about all she's done and all she's currently doing. And then he looks at her and he tells her, he says, I'm the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Wow. Well, with their impeccable timing, the disciples now show up. And, and, and they have, had gone to, to get some food. And, and so they come back and they see Jesus not only talking to a woman, but talking to a Samaritan woman. But not one of them said a word. And, and we're told that the woman then leaves her jar of water and she just takes off. I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit. Don't know if, if the disciples startled them. They don't, they don't tell us. But she leaves her water and she takes off. But guess where she goes? So she goes to the nearest town and she starts telling everyone who would listen about this man who told her, who told her everything she ever did. And she says this, could this be the Messiah? Now remember, this is the same lady who was too embarrassed to even draw water with other ladies. But now all of a sudden her shame's all gone. You see, she met Jesus face to face. And guys, she was never the same again. Suddenly, she feels this new start, this fresh beginning that only love, hope, and forgiveness can bring. And there was also a passion in her to share it with other people. She's changed. And please, don't take this the wrong way. But I think many times today, we have people who come and, and they accept Christ, and we're excited, and we pray for them, and we clap for them, right? And then we go home, and they go home, and we get ready to go to work on Monday. You see, not so with this lady. Not so. She was changed. She was changed forever, and she wanted everyone to experience what she just did. You see the difference? All right, so then look what happens as a result of this lady's bravery. Look what happens. It says the people of the town of Sychar believed this woman who was an outcast, and they stopped everything they were doing to go see Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus became the most important thing in their lives. I, so I told you we're kind of twofold today. So we'll come back to the town of Sychar, right, in just a little bit. But, but we've got to kind of look at what Jesus is teaching his disciples today as well. And in verse 31, we see that, that after the woman leaves the well, it says the disciples are trying to get Jesus to come and eat some of the food that they had gone to get for him. But he makes this statement to them, and he says this. He says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And just like the woman at the well, they heard it only from a worldly perspective, and their, and their response was, who, who could have brought him something to eat? And then Jesus makes this amazing statement. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You talk about a mission statement. That one's pretty clear. But, but you, we need to look at, at what food does for us. So we see this comparison because, you know, food, it, it, it sustains us, doesn't it? It, it fills us. It, it allows us to grow physically. It comforts us. And it gives us energy. 
But, but you see, Jesus was telling the disciples, he's saying, hey, when I'm doing what God's called me to do, when, when, when I'm living and sharing his plan for salvation with a lost world, he says, hey, you need to know that sustains me. That, that, that fills me, that excites me, and that energizes me. And there's two things that stick, about, stick out about that to me. The first is this. We have to know what God has given us as the most important thing to do. And what I mean by that is, what is it that only you and I can do? What are we only you and I uniquely gifted to do for God? What is that? And then when we know that, and we do that, we have to understand it will be hard, it'll be challenging, and there will be times that we feel like quitting. But, but what I want you to see today is like Christ, you and I, we have to allow this energy and this excitement of doing his will, doing his will, we have to allow it to fill us spiritually just like food fills us physically. And when we do that, you and I can also finish the work that God's called us to do. You see, what we have to see this morning is that Jesus was in his sweet spot. Because what he was doing, he was sharing, sharing who, uh, who he was and what God's plan for salvation is with a lost soul. And not only that, but the lost soul believed him. Not only did she believe him, but then she went and shared him. And Jesus was fired up. It excited him. It energized him. Guys, it gave him a burst of adrenaline that no food could ever do. And the Bible tells us he was full. Now, guys, I doubt if there's anybody who loves food more, more, any more than I do. I, I promise you, I'm eating breakfast and thinking about what's for lunch. I, that's not, that's no, no, no kidding. I, I, I enjoy food. But, but I've, I've had a few of these times where God has given me victories along the way. I, I would have to share with you probably the most recent is, is what, what, you know, what we're trying to do right now. We're, Carrie and I are trying to create this God-honoring sports ministry. And, and it's on our hearts. But I got to tell you, there are times, guys, I get tired of playing in the dirt. I get tired of cutting grass. I get tired of taking out the trash. I get tired of watching the geese poop all over the place. That's the honest truth. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at game day, and there's a six-year-old, and he, and he or she's praying in front of all their teammates. Or I'm out working on a field, and somebody drops off a lawnmower. Or somebody just hands me an envelope, and they say, hey, appreciate what you guys are doing. We believe in it. You see, that energizes me. That excites me. That gets me going again. That, that's what that does. Guys, it reminds me that God is still right there with me doing this. And that's more than any cheeseburger has ever done in my life. And the truth is, it puts me in my sweet spot. I, I truly believe this. I truly believe this is how Jesus was able to look at Satan after 40 days of no food. That makes my stomach hurt. 40 days of no food. And, and, and Satan's, what does he do? He tempts him, right? He tempts him. He says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He's saying, hey, feed yourself. 
And Jesus replies, I never quite understood this verse like I do now. Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what was energizing him. You see what he was saying to Satan? He's saying, hey, I got food you know nothing about. I got food that you know nothing about. And then he goes back to his disciples in verse 35. And he says this. He says, I know you have a saying. It's still four months until harvest. And, and what he was saying there was this, that it takes time for the seed to go through the transformation of becoming a plant. But Jesus says this. He says, but look around you. He says, the fields are ripe and it's time for harvest. And, and what he's telling them is this. He says, sometimes you sow and other times you reap, right? Sometimes you're the one that sows the seed and someone else reaps. And he says, and sometimes others sow and you reap. But he's saying today is special because we get to sow and reap at the same time. And what he's saying there is because in verse 39, we read that the people of Sychar who believed what the woman said about Jesus, and they had to come and see for themselves. And they begged Jesus, they begged him to stay for a couple more days so that they could know him better. And suddenly, Jesus looks around, and people are coming from the town. And, and he looks at the disciples and he says, the fields are ripe for harvest. And at that same time, this woman becomes the first Gentile evangelist that we know of. Think about that. Here's this lady who, she, she had no wholesome roots or seminary training. She knew very little theology. She couldn't even fully explain why she thought Jesus must be the Messiah. But she met him face to face. She met him face to face, and guys, she was never the same again. There was a change in her that was so infectious and so contagious that all of the people of the town had to come and see the man that did this to her. Now, you know, last week we talked a lot about, about if Jesus is truly in us, that he's going to come out of us, right? I'm telling you, I think he was oozing out of this lady. I think he was oozing out of her. And, and I want us to imagine being that changed today that in our crazy world, people would stop whatever they were doing so they could just come and see who did this to us. That's a change. I think it's also amazing that many of the well-educated scholarly Jews, they couldn't see what a Samaritan woman with bad morals not only saw, but she shared as well. And guys, look at the results of this. You still got your Bibles open. Look at verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. I think that's a really important statement. I want to stop there just for a second and talk about this because, you see, it, yes, it was the woman's testimony. It was her change in her demeanor and, and, and her personality and her attitude that brought the people to come and see Jesus, right? But it was their own encounter. It was their own encounter with the Word, with the Savior himself, that allowed them to individually believe and accept him as the Savior of the world. 
We, we have to see that. We have to know that. People, God may use people to stir our interest, or, or we may see their lifestyle and be attracted to that, but they can't save us. Only Jesus can. You see, no one else can do that. And, 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 and the flip side of that is this. Please know this. If God chooses you as that person, if God chooses you to bring others to him, remember, our job, our job is to point and his job is to save. You see, the woman at the well, she never tried to save. She never tried to be the Savior. She simply brought them to the one who was. And so this morning, guys, this morning, I, I, I really pray that, that, that we take a couple of things away. I pray that we do this so that you and I can become more spiritually rooted, that we can understand what we're called to do. The first thing I want us to think about this is this. Learn from my example, right? We must never play God. That's not our role. We must never play God. You and I are to love people because that's what Jesus did, period. We are to love people because Jesus did, and we're to share him with whoever might listen. Because, guys, that glorifies God, and that's what we're called to do as, as saved people. And then the other piece of that is this. We never know what the impact of who we lead to Christ might be. Who would have ever thought that a woman married five times, living with a man, would be the one to be so instrumental in starting a revival in Samaria? see, we can't play God. Matthew 7, verses 1, two, 1 through 2 says this. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let God be God. The second thing is this. You and I have to know why we do what we do. And, and, and what I mean by that is sometimes as we're doing God's work, it'll get really hard. It'll get really hard. And, and during those times as it's getting so hard, that's when you and I have to remember. We have to remember why we are doing what we are doing because if we remember that, it will energize us. It will excite us and it'll allow us to finish what God's called us to do. You see, what Jesus is showing us today, he's showing us this extra energy source. I truly believe, I believe that this was his secret. I believe this is what helped him get through all he had to do, including the agonizing torture on the cross. Because I think in his mind, he was looking out and he was seeing you and he was seeing me and all of a sudden he saw us cleansed. He saw us forgiven. He saw us sharing. And he saw us in eternity with his Father. And it made him full. It made him full. John 3, 4 says this. It says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, that's why Jesus, just before his physical death on the cross, could say, it is finished. 
It is finished. What an incredible way for you and I to walk away from this earth. So today I ask you this. Is your life pointing others to Jesus Christ? Are we as excited as this woman was about being forgiven for our sins and being a new creature? Or are we letting the world just kind of just blow it out? Would people leave what they're doing because of the change they see in you and I so that they have to come and see who did this to us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father God, I just, I just thank you. I, I thank you, God, for, for just this lesson that shows us that, that, that our job is to simply share you with anyone who will listen and that, 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 that our job is to let you play God, that our job is to let you know and see who's going to do what with your word. May we simply just share it. God, may we share it well. May we do it well. May we live it well, God. And God, may we, may we get energy and excitement when we're doing what you've called us to do. And may we use that, Lord God, to finish the job. But we love you. We are so grateful to be yours. And we thank you for forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.